Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's my goal to share a story of someone's journey through their life and financial vineyard. We take you from their roots to the journey of their vines and the influences in the air that have helped craft their delicious lives. Like wine, life and finances have different talents that should be celebrated and not judged. Welcome to Wine and Dime. And this week we have Andrea Bullard as our guest on the show. I think when you hear her background and her journey and all of the adventures she's been on to develop her special gift to the world, uh, you'll be amazed. Andrea actually works with financial planners. So there's probably some tips in here that I'm gonna learn as we talk through some ideas and learn, learn more about her journey. What I loved about Andrea is like, all of us at Rooted Planning Group, she is a women-run business. And we're celebrating, even though March is over, we're still celebrating the fact that you know, it's Women's uh, Awareness and History Month. <laughs> we push that off for the rest of the year. And I also love the fact that she has some strategies that probably would work across all industries, to be honest. So Andrea, welcome to the show. Well, Amy, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Well, as you know, I always like to start the show just out of curiosity, asking people if they have, since we, we talk about vineyards being formed, I love to ask people if there's a particular wine that they love and a particular region of wine that they love. I am a one wine drinker and I love Kendall Jackson Chardonnay. It's like, all ah. my friends know they actually have it at their house when I go visit. It's just the one wine I fell in love with and Whatever wines I drink, it never compares with that. So <laughs> Jackson is my is my flavor, and when you know, would would tell you that. <laughs> um, I actually had did a podcast with one of the Kindle uh, Jackson, um, yeah, with the winery. Yeah, yeah, it was a uh, gosh, I can't remember how long ago now, but they were kind enough to send me a bottle of their Chardonnay, which very much enjoyed while I was drinking uh, or while I was doing the podcast. So it was not the whole bottle, but a glass of it. Um, <laughs> although probably by the end of the night between my husband and I, we probably finished it off because you know, <laughs> I do believe it was a Friday as usual. Um, well, that's uh, Chardonnay is uh, one of the wines that is very versatile in nature. And um, my favorite, because my favorite region is Finger Lakes uh, winery, uh, New York Finger Lakes winery. And, um, Chardonnays for me have to be very buttery. They can't be that crisp, um, sort of steel barrel aged wine. I really like the the oak barrel butteriness of it. And my favorite New York Chardonnay is probably 
I would say probably Lakewood's there. It's super buttery. So Lakewood is one of the wineries that I often talk about. They have <laughs> options across the board, but if people like a minerally uh, Chardonnay, they probably wouldn't like this one. So I'll have just, to try that. So I wrote that down. Yeah, which yeah it's love it. Yeah, it's real buttery. It's super. Um, you know, the it just kind of I think of it just like melting in your mouth, not yeah. like sweet, but you know, just that good Chardonnay grape flavor, but buttery to finish. Yeah, I agree with you. I love the oaky taste and more mm-hmm. the rich taste. The, the the sweet taste isn't. I think that's why I like the Kendall Jackson. It has more of that oaky full body mm-hmm. as opposed yeah. to sweet. Yeah. Well, it's so we have something in common already out of the gate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know um, I read through your one sheet, which I think is amazing, really describes a lot of background history on you. But I want to I want to take a, a step back and kind of dive into um how you have come to the place in your life, what was a formation of, of your vineyard per se, and a little bit of background about you and the development of your business and, and what you're doing right now to make an impact on, on the world. I love it. So, you know, I believe in destiny and I would never have said that when I was younger, but through my life, and I'm sure through many of your listeners, your lives, you know, you wonder sometimes why things happen to you. And I've learned that that really becomes our destiny. It's meant to happen. So I'll go way back when I grew up in a small town in in Wisconsin, and I grew up with five kids. And when I was um, 18 years of age, I was a freshman in college. And I'll never forget, it was in March. And it was a dreary, cold, rainy day at five o'clock in the afternoon. And I get a call. It was from my oldest brother. And he said, you have to come home. And I said, why? He said, because dad had a heart attack. And I said, how is he? And I'll never forget him. He goes, he's gone. And that's when my life changed. Changed dramatically in two ways. When I went home, you know, he was my dad. And then when 18, your dad is your dad. And I loved him. He was funny. He was actually a loan officer in a bank. And but what that meant for me was that my life changed because financially, from that point on, 18, I was on my own. Mm-hmm. So my dad had a major, major heart attack at 45. And you know what that means. He was uncurable <sighs> after that point. And so I never knew from that point on what it was like to go back to your mom or your dad say, do you have money? Do you have this? I had to figure it out on its own. So that became a very changing point in my life. But there's another piece to the story. When I went home, we sat where grown men just cried on my shoulder. And the line was around the funeral home. I mean, this is a small town of about 18,000 people. And they'd cry and they'd say, if it weren't for your dad, I wouldn't have my business. Or if it weren't for your dad, I wouldn't have my farm. And what my dad did as a loan officer, instead of foreclosing on loans, he met with the farmer, the businessman on the weekend or nights and helped him with their business plan. That's what he did. And when he died, they closed the town down. And I still remember going through and people were lined up on the corners. Now, what's amazing when you're 18, you see that, you realize what an impact one man can make. Now, 
my father never had a college education. And the most he ever made in his life was $13,000. So imagine that, that he made this difference. That even to this day, if I go back with my adult kids and someone meets me and they look at me, they say, you're Lester Kane's daughter, aren't you? I said, yeah. And they will go on about the impact he made on their life. So mm-hmm. when we combine those two, it was destiny. The thing about what I'm doing now, I'm coaching financial mm-hmm. advisors and reps. Mm-hmm. because I understand the absolute impact they can have on someone's life. Because from 18 on, I've never known what it's like to go back and say, where's the money? I had to figure it out. Wow. So, I mean, the reason that you started coaching financial planners is because you had this relationship with money, but I'm sure it wasn't a straight and narrow path to that particular focus. So bridge the, as I say, bridge the gap between I planted the, the actual, uh, grapevine (laughs) and it grew to, to, to create a vineyard. (laughs) Well, yeah. And that's the interesting thing. So I was always passionate about sports. So when it wasn't fashionable, by the way, for women to be in sports, I played division one volleyball at university of Wisconsin. And that's probably a whole nother story that needs to be told. I think no one ever told the story of women like myself that really fought for Title IX. And once the Title mm-hmm. IX was passed, you know, the fight we had at that point. So it was just my passion was athletics and coaching. So I played Division I volleyball, went on to coach a nationally rated track team in high school, and went on to study under Olympic and world-class coaches, got a master's degree, and came out east to actually coach women's basketball at the college level and teach. And I was only 25 at the time and I'd done research, it was always my passion. Um, then I got married and I had children and I came out of the workforce. And then later on, I went back in the workforce when my children got older. And it was serendipity that a very good friend of mine, her good friend's husband, just became a new managing partner for a major insurance company. And he was looking for a right-hand person to help him. Mm-hmm. So I remember they teed me up to meet him, and he goes, I'm not going to hire a housewife. And I, <gasps> laughed and I said, yeah, <laughs> yeah, do you like that? And I said, I'm not a housewife. So we met, and we got along very well. And after a couple months of, you know, I didn't know anything. I never sold insurance, never sold investments. But remember what I knew how to do, coaching. After a couple months, I said to him, I'm going to coach your financial reps. And he laughed and he said, what makes you think you can coach him? You've, you've never sold. You've never done any of this. And I said, yeah, but I'm watching your coaches. So he was nice. I think everyone's sort of tapping me on the head. And <laughs> I went to give me two advisors. He said, well, let's just see what you can't do. He gave me two advisors. You know, they had the cobwebs on the door. Um, their, their production was pretty dismal. And I went to them and said, I'd like to coach you. Well, no money's exchanged. So everyone's sort of laughing. And they said, okay, let her give it a shot. That was September. I started coaching two of them. That November, one of them, their production was the number one in the agency. And the other gentleman the next year, more than doubled his production, only worked four days. That was over 26 years ago. And then since then, my business has grown through referrals because people's Mm -hmm. business have, have grown. And so that's how it, 
and, and if you think about it, my passion for coaching and helping people came from my father. Mm-hmm. I knew that difference that would make. And then it was just sort of serendipity that I end up in the financial industry. And because I think I believed so much in what they did, maybe more than a lot of them did. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because I lived it. I said, you don't know what it's like. I remember graduate school, my, my funny story was I remember going home because I didn't have food for money. And I said to my mom, do you have some extra money? And I never get she cried. And so I made up a story. I said, oh, I was just thinking about buying a jeans or something. And I said, no problem. And I remember going back and thinking, what am I going to do? This is a dream. Mm-hmm. And I said, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to date. I said, <laughs> I'm going to date guys and have them take me out for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, this has been my journey. Resourceful. <laughs> You have to be when you eat food. <laughs> okay. So I, I guess the lesson, you know, that you probably learned off from that was uh, to have your own money. So you never had to do that in the future, right? <laughs> right. That's exactly right. So, okay. So going to, you started to coach, you started to coach um, for this um, organization or this company that, and you made a difference. They saw the impact. So what made you decide, you know what, I can do this on my own. I don't, I don't have to work for somebody. I can actually do this on my own. And what was the mindset? Because that's a, a key piece to it, right? So absolutely, a lot of people, I work with a lot of women. And I'll tell you this past year, probably the number one thing that we've heard from women is that they need to figure out a way that they can have the flexibility. So, so like, you know, with this past year has been really rough on everybody, but, um, the statistics, the articles that have come out are pretty clear on the fact that, uh, you know, women have been more impacted. And, and the reason being is because there's a general lack of flexibility, both for all candidates, male and female, right? Because if, if a company will let flexibility happen on both ends, then there wouldn't be an issue. Um, but it has, it has started a lot of our clients saying, how do I take this gift that I have wherever I work right now and uh, allow it to grow into something that's more flexible so that in the future I can be there to help my kids when I need to be, or I can be there to help mom and dad when I need to be, or I can be there to, um, give my own personal sanity when it needs to happen. Uh, you know, what, what do I do to transition from working from an employer where my benefits are there, my salary is guaranteed, you know, all of those things to something I can build and grow and find some happiness in. What a great question. And I hope my story helps other people. I remember when I was working in, in coaching within this agency and I was an employee and I loved, really loved the man that I worked for, the managing partner. And, and But I knew that if I stayed there, there would always be a lid on my income. I knew it. And I knew that I was, as you know, I was in the industry of primarily men. And I said, I said, there's going to be a cap on what I'm going to do. And I did not want that cap. Mm-hmm. And I also knew that, you know, at the time I had two children and I really wanted to make sure that I was going to be able to 
take them off the bus, that I was going to be able to have dinner with them. And I knew that if I worked for someone else, that wasn't going to happen. Mm -hmm. So there was a woman that, that through all these times, she had a dream. She wanted to have children and, and she just had gotten married. And I had a dream that I wanted to have my own business. So we would meet at this convention for this company, (laughs) New York city, uh, once a year, and we'd share our dreams with each other. Mm-hmm. And I worked for this man around two and a half years. And I remember the moment I said, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it. I said, you know, there comes a point in your life when you have to believe in you mm-hmm. and you have to just take that jump. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, there was no financial, I mean, I had a handful of clients and that was not going to support my family. And I had to at the time. But I said, you know what? At some point, you have to take that leap of faith. And I, I remember calling him and resigning, and I gave him a two-and-a-half-month notice mm-hmm. and said, I put together a plan, and I said, this is how many clients I need financially. And I said, I just need to go and find those clients. I cried when I left, not quite <laughs> leaving him. I was nervous, and I remember calling my friend who I'd met, and I said, I did it. I decided to take the leap. I have my own business now. A week later, she called me and she happened to be a secretary for the largest, one of the largest managing partners in New York City. And she said, Andrew, you won't believe this. I said, what? He said, I talked with him and he's inviting you to come in and speak to three groups and you can pitch yourself as a coach. He's never, ever done this before, but I convinced him that he had to invite you. So I hired a speech coach, and I worked on this presentation night and day, night and day, because I knew I had three tries to try and get the clients that I needed. And I still remember um, going into New York City. I was so nervous and uh, drove my car, didn't have the money to stay in New York City. So I drove early in the morning, took the train in, looking up at this big building. It was a Chrysler building saying, okay, here it is. Mm -hmm. And I remember that night, I gave three presentations. It's nine o'clock at night. I'm in Darien, Connecticut, with a three-hour drive home, watching someone steal a car across from me, <gasps> crying to my husband saying, 28 people just signed up. We're in business. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Never forget that. <laughs> so it was, you know, it's that leap of faith I think we all have to take. And it was knowing people, you know, this woman, Mm -hmm. I just had that connection, but then I just didn't take that for granted. I hired someone and I worked and worked and worked. I knew that I had to nail that presentation. So that's how it all got started. Mm -hmm. I think uh, what I heard out of that and what I think is a a big thing to just sort of pull out and, and talk about for a second is it's, it's the, the networking side, right? Yeah. So when I, I remember you know, when I first, when my husband and I first started talking about me going independent, um, I was, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty because I wish I had done it many, many years ago prior to when I did do it. Um, but I was terrified of doing it. And, and my husband had been saying to me for years, like, Amy, you know, you've been in this profession for so long. Like, people are, you're going to be fine. You're going to be okay. But I couldn't leave that salary and those benefits. And, you know, I I felt irresponsible for doing that. Mm -hmm. And 
when I finally, when it finally got to the point, which th- this is why I call the, f- like, um, my, I say my generation is the X generation. Like yeah. we're, we're sort of the, we're the quiet and forgotten generation to a certain extent, in my opinion. And, um, and, and I'm seeing so much in transition in, in our forties, like the forties were my years. Like that was the decade of my life that I can say a lot of bravery and changes (laughs) like totally kicked in. I think because my confidence level was higher and also because I think at times it was just, it was a, you know, like, holy cow, I can't live another so many years like this. You know, even if, even if I could retire at 55 or wanted to retire at 55 is what I should say that's really a long time. Like I can't do that. And now I have experience and I have built this network of people that may not result in something immediately, but certainly has, I mean, my network has been amazing. And I have, you know, I just, all I did was say, Hey guys, you know, I just decided to do this and they were on it, you know, and, and were part of my success wholeheartedly and listening to your story it's the same thing. Your journey was you had networked, you had kept in touch, not for any other reason other than to say, I had a connection with you. And hey, by the way, I took that brave step and I decided to plant a whole different kind of grape variety. And let's see if it grows, right? Let's see if it works. And you know, nurturing it, right? You you maybe had to nurture it a bit more than other more developed sections of your vineyard or your life. But once you, and I don't know about for you, it was about the third year for me, third year in business for myself that I was like, oh, this is actually going to work. Like, oh, <laughs> you know, uh, okay. Uh, and I remember a good, good friend of mine and people listening to this podcast have probably heard this before, but a good, good friend of mine asked me at the time when I was really getting close to making the decision, do I leap? Do I not leap? She said, so what's the worst that's going to happen if, if this doesn't work? Like if being self-employed and starting this business, what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to go get a job somewhere. And she's like, that's the worst. If that's the worst thing that's going to happen, that's not really not that bad, is it? I mean, yeah, so you have to go get a job at another company or something. But if that's the worst thing, okay, like really? And I think for me, truly the worst thing was ego driven. Like if I fail, I'm going to have to like admit it, you know? So I think looking back on it, no, you know, now it was probably more about that than it was anything else. But, you know, I think I, I just want to, bring out to you that to the to the listeners it's that network right it's making sure that network is in place and talking to people um about what you're thinking about doing and getting ideas from them and then sharing the good news once you actually launch <laughs> yeah i think you know it's 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 interesting because i think that that jumping i remember when i jumping i said it's kind of like free falling out of out of a building <laughs> And I think it's a great thing to say, and, you know, what do you have to lose or what are you really afraid of? Mm-hmm. And I always tell people, too many people focus so much on tripping and falling down. And here, here's my, I, I tell my clients this and I tell anyone in business in this, you know, on your way to success, you're going to fall down many times. <laughs> you're going to fall down. It's just part of the journey. If you don't, you're not stretching enough. It's not falling down. It's keep getting back up. 
Mm-hmm. Just another question I ask people, and particularly women tend to be a little bit risk adverse. I'll say, let's fast forward and you're about to die. And you didn't do this. You didn't take mm-hmm. this leap. Do you regret it? Are you always, I said, you know, taking the leap sounds afraid. And to me, what I asked myself was this. If I don't take that leap, am I going to always live with the regret or the question of what if? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what people don't think about. You have one life. So what if you knew at the very end, you could have made it, you could have made it, Mm -hmm. but you didn't do it. Mm -hmm. Not how you feel. Because I learned, and again, that some research has shown that one of the, the biggest regret people have when they're when they're older is that they didn't take more risks. And so I think I said, I just said, let's do this. Let's let's believe in what you do, believe in helping more people, and take that 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 leap. Because if you don't, I didn't want to live with the what ifs. Mm-hmm. And I think I've I built this business on that. I mean. 15 years ago, when I wrote my first book, and you're in the industry, turn, you know, uh, the turnkey system for financial advisors and reps, I felt like Don Quixote. <laughs> That's all I can say, because I'm a woman in a man's industry, and I was in Wall Street, New York City, and telling them that how they structured their business, they were wrong. And they're all looking at me like, who are you? <laughs> and I said... You don't want to hire assistants. And everyone says, Andrew, you're crazy. I said, well, let me ask you a question. Do you want someone to assist you or do you want someone to run your office? And they say, I want someone to run my office. I said, great. Then hire an office manager. Mm-hmm. And I said, what's taking your time is you're delegating. What if you ran it through systems? So they kind of made them pause. And so that's when I wrote my first book. And I never forget, I went into this managing partner who I liked and I respected before I was going to write the book and I told him my idea, told him I was doing, and he said, Oh, Andrea, I think you're way off. (laughs) He goes, just tell him to do more activity. And that's what they need. I'll never forget that. And I walked out of there and I thought, again, believing in myself, I thought, I don't think he's right. I wrote the book and it was a home run. And then even currently with my new book, Turnkey Secrets, Again, I'm going to the industry, and, and my point of view is the fact that the staff that most people have today, they won't need them five years from now. It's going to change. And so I always look at what people need next, and I, and I think for all, it doesn't matter what industry you are in, but if you can help people and if you have mm-hmm. ideas that are going to help them, that can change what they're doing, and when I change what they're doing, I make a bigger impact because it can help more people, why wouldn't I do that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but it's mm-hmm. a matter of being strong enough to to express your voice. Mm-hmm. I think um, one of the things that, uh, well, there's always naysayers out there, right? And and I think, uh, I, I mean, I can talk myself into negativity. It's funny because I, you know, I I consider myself partly coach too, right? As a financial planner, I would consider myself part coach as well. And I, I can, I can rationalize with a client how to help them achieve their goal. I can, I can do that, but I can turn anything 
that I'm doing into something negative. That's why as a financial planner, I need a financial planner, right? Because we're too emotionally attached to something that we're creating. And, and I will honestly say though, that when I did launch my business and the model that I'm under, which is so different, it's, it's becoming more common, but it's still pretty rare. Um, somebody said to me at the time that, you know, that, that model would never work. It would fail. And, uh, and that, that motivated me, (laughs) that, that motivated me to say, I remember like that was between being told, well, the worst I could do is, you know, basically have to go get a job or, or recognizing that, um, and being told that my model would fail, like that to me was, oh yeah, (laughs) watch me, (laughs) you know, it's kind of like, your book will never work or it will never you know, be a hit. Well, okay, watch me. I believed I had a service that people wanted and it's not their, you know, I don't run our business, the traditional financial services way. You know, we don't get paid on commission. We don't even get paid based on assets under management. We have a flat fee. Totally didn't know anybody else other than one person in the profession that did it. And I, you know, I researched her company and, um, she was kind enough to respond to a couple emails that I sent to her knowing how incredibly busy she was. Um, but I like, and I told her I was upfront and I said, I just want, you to know, I'm sort of cyber stalking you because I just love the way your practice is being run. And that's how I want to run my practice. And she, she didn't have the time to mentor me, but she opened up her staff members to me. I mean, it was just this ideal situation. I was so lucky to have her. And, but you know, when I told her, like, people are telling me this is going to fail. She said, well, I haven't failed yet. I love her. <laughs> you know, I think it's, it's, I guess where I'm sharing that and, and, you know, piggybacking on your story is because I want people that are listening to your journey to understand there's going to be naysayers, but don't let them shit on you. You know, you should do this. You should do that. Don't let them shit on you. Be true to your your own ideas and your mission as well. Right. So let's fast forward. Um, you've created, you've done a couple of books, right. And you have, um, a couple of items that I guess you, when you're working with somebody that would be your top, um, engagement conversation pieces, right. Talk a little bit about the process that you go through and, how you've changed maybe over the years as well with the, with the profession as it's changing? That's a great question. I, I just, I want to go backwards to one thing you just said, Amy, because I think this is really going to help your listeners. You know, you said that, that you, you went to a, a, another person to ask for the advice and they helped you, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a coach, but I'll tell all the listeners do you know that throughout my career, I've always hired coaches. Mm-hmm. And I think it goes back to your, your statement, which is so accurate. We all, we have our blind spots, but we all need coaching. Like you said, there was someone mm-hmm. who had done it before you and you were learning and they were kind enough to teach you. I think that is the key thing. If you're going to be an entrepreneur, 
go get help. So for example, when I leaped on my own, I knew that I needed help with my presentation. I hired someone to help me with that. I hired mm-hmm. someone that was very good at that. Even now I have several coaches. I have coaches online. They know things I don't know. There's, there's all sorts of marketing, different pieces of my business that I hire people that coach me on it because why would I go on a path that someone else has been on and they mm-hmm. can help me with that path, right? Mm-hmm. So any listener, if you're going to go and start your own business or if you're in your business, get help. Because I'll tell you, in your industry, which is interesting, Amy, do you realize the top producers in your industry, ready for this? The average top producer has four different coaches. Hmm. And that's what people don't realize. And if you look at presidents of the United States or CEOs, they all have uh-huh. coaches. They yeah. help. And I yeah. think that's, I want women to learn that. Stop doing it alone because, I'll, you know, mainly the men I coach, they have tons of coaches mm-hmm. to help with that. And where I have come in to answer your last question about helping people, how it's changed. So I used to coach just the advisor by themselves. But if you're an entrepreneur, so whether you're the, in the investment insurance industry or whether you're you know, starting your own business, you know, who's that first person that you need to hire? You know, at, for example, do you need a salesperson? Do you need an office manager? Do you need someone mm-hmm. to do online marketing? How do you hire them? How do you create that team? How do you set up your systems? So how I've changed now is... I don't just coach the advisor. I coach the advisor and the team. And here's why. If they're a team, it's like a football team. I don't just coach the quarterback. They coach all the team members. So I now coach and train the team members on the systems because you're the advisor. You know what your unique ability is. You're out there seeing people. But if the team is going to set up the systems, I want to coach them how to do it and join everyone together. And then then we talk about how are we one um, What's a message? What's the concierge service we need to give to our clients? We're all thinking. Mm-hmm. Everyone's thinking together. It's not just the advisor who's the owner of the business. Get brilliant people in your team that are all thinking. And that should be for any entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. If you're whatever you do, if you have a team member that joins your team and they're smarter than you in their area, you have two brains to mm-hmm. Now your team mm-hmm. is much more powerful mm-hmm. and it gives you leverage of your time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can say, honestly, like that's one of those learning opportunities that I experienced. Um, I grew, I was very fortunate in the practice grew pretty quickly within the first year and a half to two years. And at that point in time, what I really, I didn't, I didn't know, well, I didn't believe that the um, practice was going to grow that quickly. So I didn't have a plan to add the next person. Or a plan to know what should be the next person. And so early on in the corporate development, um, you know, I I didn't, the succession in which I hired could have been different and and should have been different. I don't regret the person that I brought on at all because she's a fabulous team member, wonderful financial planner, but in reality, it probably should have been an office manager. But we worked through it and, you know, things have changed over time at this point. And actually, uh, lately, you know, we've been talking like the next hire is actually a person who is specifically designated to help me. (laughs) Um, that is going to be the next 
higher on the team, but, and they'll integrate and work with other team members too in their certain, but that, that person that's designated to help with the calendar and the, the emails and some of that sort of stuff is really going to make me be a better planner for our clients. Um, if I'm not doing some of those things that can be handled by somebody else. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but that's, I can honestly sit here today and say, I mean, I did have a coach. I, I did, I, within the first year I hired a coach and I've had several coaches. Actually, my last coach that I have right now, I've been with her for almost two years. And you would think, well, what do you talk to somebody for two years? I'm like, well, it's the same with a financial planner. The business changes, your life changes. Um, you know, a coach doesn't just help you through one transition. A coach helps you through multiple transitions. And I, you know, I, I don't even care if you're a solopreneur, like your business is going to change over time. The profession is changing over time. So it's really important to me anyways, that I have that person who's looking from a different angle than me at the business and asking me those questions that in reality, I'm like, Oh God, I hate it that you asked me that question, but it's such a good question, you know? Cause now I'm going to have to actually face the fact that, you know, I've got to make a change or that I don't really want to give the answer. That's always to me, that's an indicator that I'm doing something I, I know that I shouldn't be. Cause when they ask the question, I'm like, oh, right. I don't want to tell you. <laughs> you know? Because we want to hide. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's like we have our blind spots, but let's be honest about it. You know, I worked with um, Olympic athletes and, and worked under Olympic and world class coaches and everyone thinks, oh, they, they're just self-motivated. They'll come in the gym at three o'clock in the morning by themselves. No, they won't. They won't. They're human. There's times yeah. that they're going to stop or they get tired or they don't believe. That's why they have many coaches. So yeah. why do we as entrepreneurs think that we're different? Let's be honest about it. There's times we don't believe or we have blind spots or mm-hmm. like you said, we don't want to hear what they have to say because we don't want to push ourselves harder, right? Yeah. We sit back and have a glass of wine. Let's be honest. That's right. <laughs> I mean, we would. What a coach is meant to do. And I think the entrepreneur, I mean, it just breaks my heart watching entrepreneurs, whether a financial advisor or whether they're an entrepreneur, because they don't hire people, like you said, quick enough. The mm-hmm. financial advisor, here's what they do. They hire the wrong people always. Mm-hmm. Because they don't, they're not thinking about that model. They're not thinking, and they don't know how to hire. And they're not thinking about who to hire. And I have a simple theory with financial advisors. And I'll say, you can't have an A team with B players. Mm-hmm. It's simple. And then they always turn to me and they go, well, how do you define an A player? I said, no, that's the interesting question. So how would you define it? Mm-hmm. I said, let's start there. And so mm-hmm. even the entrepreneur they need to think like you just did when you started your business. Who do I hire first? What do I need? And here's the million dollar question. What should I be doing that's going to drive my business forward? What mm-hmm. can I not be doing mm-hmm. that's not going to drive my business forward? And most entrepreneurs do that and then their business fails or they don't grow as quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, my growth was definitely, I mean, after I got to that, again, because of contacts is why my business grew initially. But then I did go through a little bit of a lull mm-hmm. because honestly, I was just at capacity and had no system in place. It, that's where when I talk to planners that are forming their business right now, I'm like, 
you know, you think about, well, what, what, what if my practice doesn't go right? If my, you know, like you just, you don't think about well, what if it does? Like, what's the plan? Like, if this takes off, what's the plan? And I failed to do that. I mean, I'll admit it. I failed to do that. And and then it caused some, a very stressful period of time in my life because, uh, you know, here I was doing exactly what I wanted to do. My business was thriving. Um, you know, thing, things were going very well with the growth of the business. I was out of the... I would say the out of the high risk, I always think there's a risk, but out of the high risk of I'm going to have to go get a job, you know, if this doesn't work, yeah. but was working nonstop. So my goal wasn't to do that. My goal yeah. was to work with really great people that were, um, that I understood their demographics that, you know, they, um, they had real problems that needed to be solved. And we were, very similar in, you know, that, that, um, late, uh, gen, uh, baby boomer generation or in the X generation or the, the early, um, millennial generation. Right. So we understood our team understood that, that group of people, but we never, I never let myself think about, well, what if this actually works really well? What's my next step? And that's the one thing that I always say to new financial planners, like plan for both plan for slow growth and plan for rapid growth, because that, that was the learning lesson, the successful failure, I'll call it that I went through during my two and a half to three year, early four year window. And I, you know, I wish that I had had that open, you know, okay, let me go back. Like before I even launched my business, if I could do it all over again, before I even launched my business, I would have hired a coach while I was still working for the other company. Yeah. And they would have asked me those questions. So here's a new question I'll ask you. And I'll ask all listeners out there. What would it feel like, Amy, if you could build it even now? but never have to be there. What do you mean? Build it, but never have to be there. You don't have to be there. You build it. Your business runs by itself. So for me, that's never been of interest. I've always wanted to be involved in it. What if you could choose when you involve, who you're involved with and do exactly what you want to do? And I think I'm there now. I love it. <laughs> for the most part. Um, but it took six years to figure it out. <laughs> Yeah. And I I think that's, you know, again, I'll say to financial advisors, I I said this to a client and I started working with them three years ago. And this guy had a nice practice, a nice business. But the truth is when we really got down to what do you want? Because I never tell people what business model, there's a lot of different business models, as you know, in your industry, you can build. Mm -hmm. I want to know what people want. I want to know about their life and who they are. Because if I I could build a business model for you, but if it's wrong for you, you'd be in Mm -hmm. So. I really got the feel for this guy that, you know, his wife works and she's an attorney, has a, you know, loves her job, but he really wanted to build a business so he could take a month off. So I said, well, what if we could build it and you'd never had to be there? You could be there when you wanted to. That just ignited him. Mm-hmm. And so we're building this new model. His revenue went from 200000 to 600000 to this past year over a million he now has the business. He walks in every day. He doesn't have to book an appointment. 
Mm-hmm. Those are teeing up. Here's the most important thing. He's going mm-hmm. to team. They're all prospecting. They're in the prospecting mode as well. And everyone's mm-hmm. taking concierge service. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that any, any entrepreneur may have a little edge if they think, what if I could build it and I didn't have to be there? Now, a lot of people say, well, what do you mean? Or, you know, I like mm-hmm. there. you can, I didn't say you, you, you can't, but mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. that's what you want to do. I'm working with two women. They're in a totally different industry out in Chicago. And we started building with that in mind. And their first year, they generated over a million. Now let's fast forward three years. They both got married. One just had her first baby. The, ones, the other one's having a baby this summer. To make a long story short, one of the divisions now will run itself. Mm. They're building another division. Why that's important to them now? That division will run. They each have a revenue. They have someone running it. They've got little kids. Mm-hmm. They want that time with them. Yeah. Yeah, they, but they can, they're still building, but they don't right. have to be there. Right. So it's just a, a provocative question I love to ask people. And I think it gets people thinking a little bit differently. And that's true for any business. So anybody that's listening, this is not, that's not a, that's something that's for any business that you're building. I mean, that's something you should be thinking about regardless. Well, Andrea, I just realized the time that we have runneth away with, this has been such an, uh, such an intriguing conversation. I want to thank you very much. I have two final questions that I just want to toss out at you because I'm always just so curious about people's um, mindset around uh, both of these. But the first question that I want to close with is what's your definition of success? I think the definition of success is being happy every day of your life. And when I say that, I mean, some days you'll be sweating and be working hard. <laughs> um, but at the, at the enjoying and loving every day and living the life that you're happy with. And, and that has to be self-defined. Like I'll, mm-hmm. t- I'll tell people, I can't tell you what's going to make you happy. You have to, you have to decide. Mm-hmm. 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 So I think it's just being happy with the type of life you're living and who you are. Mm-hmm. I, that's a wonderful def- definition of success. And then my final question is, it's kind of a section we call nourish your vines, mm-hmm. where we take just a few minutes to ask our guests to provide maybe one financial lesson that you've learned in your life or that somebody gave you early on or even recently that was very impactful to you? I think I can say this to all my listeners, to all your listeners or anyone, um, Amy. The biggest advice I get to anyone is when it comes to your finances, please don't do it alone. I mean, I coach probably some of the best financial advisors and reps in the world. And I will tell you, one thing, the advantage that the wealthy have is they've gotten advice. They did not do it alone. Mm-hmm. And so I've been, you know, when I got on this journey of coaching financial advisors and reps, I've had some of the greatest advice and I wouldn't have had it if I weren't listening to them and working with them. So I can only say to your listeners, do not do this alone. And I think that's the biggest advice I have for them. Well, I'm prejudiced, but I believe that as well. (laughs) Andrea, thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people get a hold of you if they want to work with you? Well, I have two things I want to say. They can go on my website, which is andreabullard.com. 
But I'd also like to give any of your listeners a guest, whether they're an advisor, uh, there'll be a special little gift for them. But if, even if you're entrepreneur going to do your own hiring, um, you can go to andreabullard.com forward slash free. And you're going to come to a page where I've, I've written a hiring system booklet. And whether you're an advisor or not, you can take the concepts there and apply them to your business. And for advisors, I've created a case case um, prep template, and which is invaluable. So I'd like mm-hmm. to give those three gifts to your listeners mm-hmm. and hopefully can help any of them. We'll certainly put those links in the show notes and we appreciate all your time that you've extra time that you've given us today. And, uh, your, your, you know, you great conversation, great, amazing journey. Thank you so much for sharing that. And for those of us that or for those of you that like what you're hearing here, hop on over, rate our show, make sure you visit Andrea's website. Um, her LinkedIn profile will also be posted. And we would love to hear any questions that you have. Certainly we can pass them on to Andrea if you want us to, but we'd love to hear um, any questions that you have in the future about coaching. We'd love to have Andrea back on to answer those questions if she's so willing. But again, Andrea, thank you so much for your time today. Well, Amy, thank you. This was a, this was very much a pleasure and I wish everyone uh, much happiness and much success in your life. Just go for it. That's my advice to all you. Just go for it. Don't think about it. Just do it. Perfect way to end the show. Just go for it. (laughs) Thank you, Andrea. All right, Amy. Thank you so much. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And... If you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.